The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. again it's his show it's brandon welcome back to another episode of this lovely show today's show features a discussion of 1993's adam's family values and joining me a filmmaker story coordinator head writer for something scary and film and theme parks journalist for comingsoon.net and sci-fi wire i'm especially thrilled to welcome sabina graves Hey, Brandon. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to talk about The Addams Family Values. Oh, yes, definitely. A, a film that definitely needs that talking about. So you and I, we met a couple years ago on Out Now with Aaron and Abe during the horror specials for uh, women directors in horror. So that Yeah. Was, and I really liked your perspective. Like, I thought you were great on that. I was like, oh, my gosh, you got to have her on a thing. And then it takes like two years. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, like the, the past few months have felt like two years. So yeah, Right. So it was like eight, <laughs> eight years ago. Well, because I, I looked, I was like, oh, we, I was like, we talked last year. I was like, oh, no, it was two years ago. Ah, uh-huh, that is crazy. Insane. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. But yeah, that but was I a really good that. show. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun to talk to you about that. Yeah. Those horror specials are fun. Let's talk about something scary. That's a thing you got going on right now. It's a podcasty YouTube, like animated YouTube channel, scary story thing. Like, what are the the origins? Let's start with the origin. Yeah, the that origin of that is uh, it is a show that's created by Sapphire Sandalo, and she is an awesome horror creator and producer super duper multimedia maven and she worked with snarled the channel on youtube uh, to bring this show to life that was basically her inspiration was for her to tell like her cultures family stories and mythologies through animation and also posting so it's kind of like the twilight zone meets you know what are you afraid of the dark in a way where it's like campfire mm-hmm. tales but from around the world and you know she started that to honor her family and, and her culture and you know it expanded because you know a lot of people started to write it they started to write in about their stories and, and their families sort of like mythologies and cryptid tales from la llorona to bathroom demons in some countries <laughs> in many cases so it's, it's really fun because you have like just a big wide range of horror to tap into and she recently went to a different sort of channel her own and myself and the new host Markia McCarty she's an incredible performer actress mm-hmm. writer also producer she's the voice for the new era of the show that I'm currently helping the show run and we've been having a lot of fun bringing in a lot of like original content to it and our own monsters you can pretty much catch any episode that we do on that something scary show at the snarled channel we we drop up episodes like every tuesday and it's it's both animated so we have like a main animated video story that's like our gem of the week but the podcast mm-hmm. version is that same story but curated with three other stories in a sort of loose theme that kind of just ties it into like a good 
half hour of spooky tales to listen to. It's really fun. It bounces really well between like the the narrator stuff, the video version that I've uh, watched a couple of. Like how many how many writers do you employ? Do you take the helm of it pretty much, or do you have a staff? For the moment, it's it's currently myself and Marquia and our story editor, Dennis Culver. We've kind of just mm-hmm. been like the main team for the past few months. But in the before times, we <laughs> did have a really great stable of diverse writers from all over. We had Chris Courtney Martin, who mm-hmm. is in film. She is a writer director. And that's been a lot of fun. Do you take like outside submissions and like contract or like, like we could take your story or or do people send them like randomly? Like you were saying people shared their their legends or tales, but did anybody like, hey, here's a script, Sabrina, you want to tickle? <laughs> so the way the show works is we have our audience that they will send us emails of their favorite myths or folklore or just like creepy pastas that they love mm-hmm. that they'd want to see us do a retelling of on the show. we usually take something that's like really solid or that we really like vibe with and we'll adapt mm-hmm. that into our own in-house sort of style of script there are so many like opportunities to bring in other creatives in like our field and stuff and when we when we're able to we love doing that for sure but it, it is like a it's like a good mix of all of the things for for one story one story that what is like the production window from that from like concept writing shoot like how long do you have for each of them because I think people could look at those little timid and not think much goes into it, but that's a lot of work for just. To- oh yeah, I know it is a lot of work. We have an incredible team. Um, we have Mari Carlson on animation, and Fitz Harris. He's our audio guy, and he and Studio Seventy One is like I guess our big network that's behind us. Mm-hmm. We have like this really great team. The YouTube world is no joke, though. Mm-hmm. It is. A, it's a lot of work, and the turnaround is very tight and stressful. And I've only been doing this for like a year and it is like, especially during quarantine times mm-hmm. uh, can be a lot, you know, creatively and push you in, in many ways to kind of like get really crafty. But our turnaround, I think four episodes are uh, for the podcast. It's like a week. Mm-hmm. And then we, we script almost every day, honestly, yeah. and try to like be at least a few weeks ahead, especially for the videos, you know, to give like the the audio and animation team time to like create the awesome visuals. Yeah. And those visuals, they remind like, I mean, it's like a, like a flash style animation or so. I don't know the appropriate term, but like, I, I'm a fan, big fan of like Doctor Who. And there's a lot of <laughs> missing episodes from the 1960s because they used to just junk the tapes because they didn't know reruns would be a thing so there's a lot of missing stuff but they've been they have audios from them they've been animating and it's that certain animating style this similar and i follow along with that and that's an arduous process for them to get that just seconds done so i mean that's well thankfully we have like an awesome producer gail gilman she is very encouraging and tries to like make sure that we have like as much of as many resources as possible to like mm-hmm. make it as cool and like fun as as it tends to be. We actually started jumping into more color animation in mm-hmm. the past year because we before like the the style of it was mostly black and white with some flashes of like red, especially for like the horror or right, gore. Because yeah. uh, although we are 
considered a young adult sh- a show. We're not we're not a kids show. This is how we monetize, you know. <laughs> it, it does lean into like horror for that sort of like demographic of young adults and teenagers. But recently, we have done a bit more with color and animation, and even like sort of when our uh, Marquia will be narrating, just adding a bit more texture to like the background. We just introduced that in this week's episode with one of our new sort of editorial audio team members. Cool, cool. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a short you made called Tahuti a while back. Oh, yes. Just, just, <laughs> my, my little film child. <laughs> your little film child. It. I mean, was this a proof of concept thing? Was it just imagined as a short? It was actually just imagined as a short. Okay. My husband and I were also creative partners. We had been wanting to make something for a while and we kind of like fell into obviously dating and then like our relationship. (laughs) And uh, it was after, you know, he and I like started getting, it started, you know, obviously us grabbing coffee, like, Oh, let's create something. And then we ended up falling in love. And, but Tahuti was born out of a interesting story. He shared with me about his mom's childhood. So she had an imaginary friend that her father would like drive around in Texas and they would go through like the wilderness or whatever. And when the radio would go away, she would say that her her imaginary friend took the sound away. And I was like, that that sounds legit. Right. like go tunnels like with my dad like here mm-hmm. in LA or like in through the mountains and I'd hold my breath uh, to make a wish it'll come true and so we kind of fused those two ideas together and was like what would happen if you didn't hold us we can go through a tunnel or and then like mm-hmm. kind of like entity and <laughs> kind of was a proof of concept of like a, a fam a family friendly but like scary sort of idea right. it gave me like lights out vibes with it kind of in that realm definitely so maybe they, yeah, they can yeah, take that sure. and be like, there's our sequel right there. We'll do. Like, <laughs> I, I love David Samberg and his wife, Lada. They're, they're an awesome creative director, producer team. Mm-hmm. Actually, like making really big things now, which is amazing. Right, right. I like I, I loved Shazam. It had all his sensibilities and stuff to it. And that's kind of where I came into it. I was like, oh, wow, this really felt like him. But yeah, no, Tahuti was a blast. No, I, I really like it. People can dig it. I'll link it. Somewhere in the show notes, for sure. People to check out. Nurse, how close are the contractions? Every 15 seconds, Doctor. Are you in unbearable pain? My darling, is it torture? Oui. Forceps. Forceps. Father, what is it? It's an <laughs> He has my father's eyes. Gomez, take those out of his mouth. He's an adorable little baby. Fine. Rub it in. Children, why do you hate the baby? We don't hate him. We just want to play with him. Especially his head. You'll meet someone, someone very special. Someone who won't press charges. Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted. Women must follow you everywhere. Store detectives. And the stork flew down from heaven and turned into a baby. Our parents had sex. 
Adam's Family Values is directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, and it stars Angelica Houston, Rob Julia, Christopher Lloyd, Joan Cusack, Christina Ricci, Carol Kane, Jimmy Workman, Carol Stricken, David Crumholtz, Peter McNichol, and Christine Baranski. And it features the Adams Family trying to rescue their beloved Uncle Fester from his gold-digging new love, a black widow named Debbie. Sabina, you selected this film to discuss, and I can't tell you how grateful I am that I came to you with... What movie would you Adam's Family Values? Pretty much. So <laughs> I, I one, I enjoy the movie, but two, you were like laser focused on your pick. My guests have been like, oh, I don't know, maybe I could do this and then this and this. Or could you send me a list? Or how about narrow it? And and you were just like, boom. Let's start with why why why'd you pick this one to talk um, about? Yeah, to be completely honest, uh, because I, I have been the panel for the Salem Horror Film Fest where I kind of dug into a lot of Raul Julia history and the history mm-hmm. about the Adams family. And I was like, there's so much stuff I have learned that people really need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, these films are, are just so incredible. I think one of like the first big major franchises to really come out of genre that kind of mm-hmm. like broke through the, the uh, you know, sort of barriers that like, you know, oh, horror, like, you know, it's, it you know, you have all your Nightmare on Elm Street movies or you have the Friday the 13th films, they kind of just stay in the mm-hmm. genre or whatever. And the Adams Family kind of truly took something spooky and made it very mainstream in a time where that hadn't exactly happened, I think with like scary stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, and obviously that's, you know, due in part to the legacy of the Adams Family cartoons and the TV show, but then just the performances in it really kind of just raise it up to a whole new level. And it's competing at the same time with the Munsters. So you had a, both similar vibes of like, let's take something scary and make it wholesome-ish more to the family. And both of them instantly iconic. But that was a lot of this. I mean, 60s TV was just like every show we all remember that they ran the same time. And yeah, there, there was something with it. Like, you know, there was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. But then this was just adding a comfort level to these monsters almost. So it was mm-hmm. like family. It still looks spooky. I mean, like you still, the settings were perfect. I mean, they didn't try to make it happy they're just like okay these people are goofy within and they they look scary but their behavior and actions is goofy within this complete horror realm yeah and like completely endearing i know that uh when they did the first movie they were very nervous about how this Mm -hmm. was going to play in, in in like a big sort of sort of like stage in in cinema and mm-hmm. how they kind of just brought all that they had with it. And uh, in many interviews that I was watching with Raul Julia, he was saying like, you know, when we, the first time out, we just kind of just gave it our all and mm-hmm. did our thing and, and, you know, hoped, you know, that people would love it. And we were really surprised at how quickly the, the Adams family was embraced. Because the Munsters had a bunch of like revival attempts, but mm-hmm. I don't think the a- Adams family really did till I mean, it had Nick at Night, yeah, probably, and I mean, you go to an athletic event, it's played, it's got the ultimate call and response theme song, yeah. But you know <laughs> that some organ player would play that dun, 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 to get the crowd going. But aside from reruns and that, I don't think there was any major attempt at at bringing it back. Was there? I 
can't remember, but I know there was a cartoon strip, cartoon, Adam's Family, and then jumped to these movies in the 90s, which was like not a sure thing, I guess, to them when they made the first one, which is strange because I'm like when, I mean, back, I mean, I was younger then, but I was like, oh, that's a surefire hit. It (laughs) was. But apparently it had a bit of a messy production. And- yeah. There is a school of thought where people say that Adam's Family Values is the better film because it has more of a story. Whereas the first Adam's Family film was more inspired by the cartoon strip and, and kind of these vignettes of these characters just brought to life. My earliest memory of the Adam's Family, I think, was going into a McDonald's as a child And there was a VHS release of the first film that was available with like that same one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I used to get tapes from McDonald's. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You remember (laughs) my my favorite. Okay. So my favorite thing was you, I, I don't know if it was that year, but there was one year where all the tapes had the magic Johnson and Arsenio hall, the truth about HIV AIDS and you. (laughs) played before everything i remember that commercial i did a high school video where i had a little parody thing about that commercial because it was just like the most stereotypical psa looking thing where they even like looked at each other funny but that yeah the mcdonald's tape it was one of their yeah that one like wayne's world mr mom I'm remembering McDonald's tapes now yeah i think wasn't there even like back to the future i think i got a back to the future and et yeah. as well from mcdonald's yeah, and like yeah. those were and they were like I cheap like, you get like a meal and they're yeah. like four bucks when you or you pay 20 they're probably on low quality tapes compared to we get in the store but I, yeah i remember that i don't think did they have any like um contests or like happy meal things with them i can't remember i don't remember thing. that but i just have like that very vivid memory of getting mm-hmm. the adams family right. at mcdonald's Right. Yes, I. Oh gosh, I remember. And I think that was like a, a probably a way for you know it to be so much more accessible, mm-hmm. like when the sequel came around. Probably true, true. Yeah, and this sequel, which you mentioned, like a lot of people. I mean, it's considered. And even on the first episode of this show, we mentioned that this sequel was superior because I guess Scott Mendelson from Forbes, and he's the author of the term "the Tomb Raider trap," where a superior sequel underperforms at the box office because of reaction to the first one and he started that because he likes tomb raider the cradle of life better than the first tomb raider but that one like bombed while the other one did a lot of money so he calls it the tomb raider trap and he mentioned first he was like you know am family values is one of those like uh, ninja Turtles out of the shadows there's a history of these films that yeah. are better made sequels to a disappointing original but the people are like nah, i gotta be fooled again but this is considered one of those though it w- i mean yeah the first one made almost 200 million the box office and this one did like not even 50 so there was a maybe it was just like oh i'll see it once but this was this was back when like a franchise ip was we're taking an old tv show and making the movie of it and Mm -hmm. we saw with like the flintstones like all sorts of things and this was just one of those natural ones and so this is what today you know you see all these remakes or reboots of things this is that version of back when the 90s was because that was the ultimate i guess like i don't know the ultimate you were a great show recognition was we're gonna make the big budget movie of you which is crazy because i think that i sent you this selection before the announcement mm-hmm. of the uh, Tim Burton yeah. uh, revival of the Adam Relevant family, podcast now. Relevant, Relevant. podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he was originally attached to the first one, which seems like 
super obvious and it looks like you know it looks like a movie he could have done which sounded feel kind of his stuff kind of feels Tim Burton. Like if there's supposed to be like a Tim Burton light, his some of his work kind of feels in the realm of Tim Burton. The TV show he wound up doing was Dark Shadows, which feels in his wheelhouse as well. But yeah, yeah, I was interested in what uh, Tim Burton. I know a lot of people are like, this isn't the '90s Tim Burton, folks. I'm like, <laughs> he's he's still somewhere in there. There is Tim Burton. I saw Big Eyes. I, I you know I I didn't mind the little like x-men like one that he did a couple years ago so i am miss peregrine's home uh yeah for wayward children i i really enjoyed that one too yeah yeah he informed my like he was my first like name director that i like followed when i was younger so soft spot sorry folks for sure. I, like to hate. <laughs> I feel like with burden there are moments in a lot of the recent films that i really really liked uh his mm-hmm. choices I yeah. really liked his design on Dumbo was not terrifying. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Was it wasn't like hyper realistic and scary looking. Yeah. Um, his little fair area was cool as hell. Like I really liked where the final sequences. Oh were yeah. Place. I was like, Oh, that's some cool like, design. Horror house maze. The movie, this one like instantly just to me, I watched them both in preparation to revisit again. And this one just feels like a little more comfortable in its own skin feels I don't know. It feels a little different than the last time. There's like a confidence in it. It has like a more stylish look almost. And it's less of that, hey, Adam's family, but modern times, guys. My first impression, like even when, like just once the movie starts, it feels kind of fresh and different. Like, oh, this is what we really want to do. Yeah, totally. With the first one, it I, mean, I love putting it on for Halloween because mm-hmm. it is very much, you can just sit and watch it and have fun. You can also just have it on in the background and it looks really cool if you're having like a party like yeah. in the before times when you're having like a party. Have it be something that you could have on while pumpkin carving and right. like hanging out and stuff. And I tend to save the Adams Family values for Thanksgiving, which is weird because the summer camp happens during the summer so but right. it has but it has that very big subplot that culminates in that lovely makes sense. thanksgiving scene so it kind of feels like it works i usually watch blood rage on thanksgiving night it's my <laughs> my annual thing and going back to what you were saying about how the, it's more of a story i think and it is like a really awesome heartwarming story of a black mm-hmm. widow trying to tear your family <laughs> apart <Yes. laughs> uh, and the family coming together i, I really love right. uh, when at the at the end when when gomez is like you're mr debbie and <laughs> fester's like no i am an adams <laughs> You missed it. I Mr. Debbie. I do find it interesting. In both movies they do, Fester is like the center of the story. The first mm-hmm. one's about him coming back. This is about him going. And it, it's just an odd choice. Like, it feels like the next time around, like, okay, which Adams do we focus on? We did the Fester thing last time. Let's, let's do a Fester thing again this time. It's a little... They give the kids more to do their own sort of story, so that kind of rounds it out. But it's another, like, the, the central core idea is fester in trouble again. It's, it's just energy. I, I wonder if there's like Lloyd's our guy. We've got something here. I don't, it, <laughs> it's kind of weird to me looking back. I'm like, wow, they picked fester for both these. 
Oh, for sure. And it's funny because it's like, it also feels like really relevant if you, ha- if you had a toxic mother figure and then you end up attracting someone True. who is also like similar to right. like, that you're, you marry like a, maybe a, a toxic version of a parent and stuff. Not not everyone, but like, you know, in that tropey mm-hmm. sort of vibe where like, oh, well, of course, like, you know, this is who he ends up with or and Joan Cusack just chewing oh, up yeah. the scenery in this movie. It you almost at some points just want her to be like, listen, you're not going to kill this guy. You guys are kind of made for each other. Right. And she just does not want to be an Adams. And, and like, it's yeah. it's so weird because even until the end, there's never any antagonism between uh, the family and Debbie. Morticia is basically like c- giving her so many compliments. She's like, right. I can respect that you have have Esther like wrap around your finger and the, all these things that you're doing to him wow I like that yeah. but pastels you know feels and like even the- like you know at the end when she like goes on her whole villain monologue right and, and it feels like the type of movie where it could end up in this twisted way where they're like police are like you want to press charge they're like no she's an Adams now and she's like part of them at the end rather than frying her into ash but it feels like it could take that turn where it's like all this ridiculous evil stuff she did. And they're like, yeah, you're part of the family. You passed the test. You know, that kind of kind of feels like that. <laughs> it could have gone. Oh, for way. sure. There was even a point where, where the grandmother is referencing like, oh, it was like I killed my first husband, too, or something. Yes. You know, like, oh, it's your first. Like, yeah. Like, but she undoes herself, which is really sad with uh, the help of Pubert, the baby. Pubert, which was apparently Pugsley's original name idea for the comic, where they were moving them from comic to television and they didn't have names in the original comic. And they put Pubert up for that. And it's changed to Pugsley. That was, I guess, a nod to that. So we have puberty stuff. The, the humor in this one is much more dark and twisted than last. I mean, the other one had like horror kind of humor, but this is dark and in a weirdly charming and tasteful manner. What they're pulling off here is pretty rare to make it endearing. I, I, I guess I could see some parent taking their kid and getting mad about this movie, but uh, come on. <laughs> it's actually really deep and layered, and unless someone tells you, you might miss certain aspects of it that are absolutely just genius humor. Oh, for sure. It, it It's funny because uh, there was recently a, a tweet that went viral. Um, a comedic writer, she made a fake script page of like an Adams Family script mm-hmm. where she describes, oh, at all times, Gomez and Morticia must be very horny for oh, each other. Yeah, 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 I know yeah. this is a kid's script. Yeah, but, you know, and, and, and it's really funny because people really thought that was part of the script. They were <laughs> like, yeah, I believe that this is what was on there because that is what you see on yeah. the screen. It got to the point where the writer had to take down the tweet because she was like, y'all, I like I made this up and there are screenshots that the, are living on Tumblr and, tw- and Instagram that are being mm-hmm. reshared of like, this is the Adams Family script. And it's like, yeah, no. yeah, that's, yeah. But, oh, you know, honestly, with the writing, it works. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally they, they are yeah hot for each other. And one thing I, I like about them and apparently Raw Julia was ill during this, but I, mm-hmm. I can't I can't tell I. I know all his co-stars said he was, but I really like Angelica Houston that she feels a bit more prominent in this one. And I love the thing they do with her lighting on yeah. her eyes. Just like on her her eyes. Her eyes the whole time. And one of my favorite gags is when they're going to Debbie and Fester's house to get Fester back. And she's standing in a spot 
in the shot and she has to walk forward into a new one and she walks and the beam goes from her eye she walks up and it comes right back on her and, and I was, that was hilarious <laughs> like it followed her up and i i was i was cracking up pretty good that was a nice little technical gag there but she's just dynamite here again with the role which i can't believe she wasn't like a like you're her you're it kind of choice i think they had to have someone else before this and when they did the first movie i think they might have had someone else and then she was like second choice she is just so I can't think of anyone else, iconic you know? in that role and her and uh, role julia oh yeah and really just everyone i was watching one of the interviews during the early press junkets for values and Royal Julia was talking about how, you know, in the comics, the characters of Gomez and even Fester, they were kind of very subdued, more background, like, you know, their family, mm-hmm. people, and kind of just sedate. But when they came on board, that both Christopher Lloyd and Raul Julia really wanted to bring in more spontaneity to the characters. Uh, Christopher Lloyd with like his very off-kilter performance that is... Yeah everywhere all at once and Raul Julia just being a Gomez who is still a family man but like Mm -hmm. about living life to the fullest and like on the edge and so passionate so it's, it's great to kind of like see kind of like why the movie worked as well as it did uh, through yeah. these performances and even Angelica Houston as Morticia just nailing those lines. Right. Yeah. I'm close my eyes, picture Gomez and Morticia Adams, and that's where I go. Like they're that big of a staple to it. Their chemistry, their performances, just they they rule here. I mean, it's good stuff. And they're dancing. Oh, they're dancing. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that actually surprised me that works so well, the baby humor, which could be kind of, dumb but i i'm down with some of it i mean most of it it it, it works like the little silly baby stuff one of my favorite things is when they go to drop him off the the house with the cannonball to see which drops Mm -hmm. first and i love when the cannonball it's silly simple gag but it hits lurch on the head and just the kind of move it that uh carol struckian does you just boom and just his little like mild <laughs> inconvenience. The way he plays it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love uh, a lot of the pubert stuff, and and when pubert just inexplicably goes blind. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's sending Gomez into like the most bizarre existential crisis. <laughs> right, and they have him. Yeah, you know what? I wonder. Did they have those bed scenes so he could lay down and relax on set if he was ill? I wonder if that. Might affected. might be, you know. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, I know. Not he, to take it to a dark very turn, much, but you know, you know, he very much like played it like close to the chest in 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 a way to kind of like you know very much be focused on his craft mm-hmm. and stuff. And even in some of the interviews during like the junketing sort mm-hmm. of like era of it, you could kind of tell that there's stuff going on. But he was still sword fighting. He was still doing the tango and yeah, just absolutely killing it. Yeah, and this was the this was the last one that was movie that was released while he was alive that he mm-hmm. got to see, and then I think you know posthumously Street Fighter came out. Yeah, which I remember. I remember everybody at the time was like, "That's his last movie." Oh my! God. Like everybody was so <laughs> bummed that, that he had yeah. to go out on Street Fighter. I know they yeah. they were actually hoping for a third Adams Family in interviews with uh, Barry. He was talking about how like oh Paramount is like they're in on like a third one. We're we're mm-hmm. excited and we want to like go back to this world and with this family and who knows what that could have been like and just because I think I know that they did try like I think what like two two years later 
mm-hmm. to kind of do like some sort some of Tim Curry on TV yeah. or something. Yeah. Or straight to video. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but yeah, like none of the cast came back. They like recasted no. everything. Yeah. They tried. I mean, they tried that in the month. They, Munsters have been tried to cut. They did that Jerry O'Connell one. Yeah, uh, Mockingbird Lane, yeah. which I actually really liked that yeah, pilot. Wasn't bad. Yeah, I did. I remember I got a screener of that, and I was like, "That's that's not bad." And then it got held off for a while. I'm like, "They have something decent here," but and then did they disappear until the recent animated movie? There was actually a Broadway musical that opened okay. that was also very much inspired by the original cartoons, but then also centered on Wednesday Adams falling yep. in love with a normal human guy. I saw a high yeah. school production of it. Uh, a nephew was a crew member on it. We went and saw that. <laughs> seen it via high schoolers. Yeah. But. I, I kind of like that sort of perspective. Uh, bizarrely enough, the franchise that has been able to pull off that sort of Adams Family vibe and that sort of cool female lead who kind of like falls in love with someone who's different than them is the Hotel Transylvania series. Yeah, yeah. Very much in that window, which, yeah, I, I've, I have kids I've, I've had to. Had to. I, I didn't mind the first one or second. It was the third one that was where they went on the cruise ship. That was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you've, you've cashed in your... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, Gendy was really set on doing that that Popeye movie for a while. And then right. they were like, we want another Hotel Transylvania movie. Yeah. And so <laughs> give it to us. Give yeah. it to us. Franchise money. Yeah, no, I really liked the first two. The second one, I also like I thought the second one was really solid. I think I might even like that one more than the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, saw so, and then we I think we went to a sneak per- preview of the third one uh, and i was just like my wife and i after i was like that was wow <laughs> i felt like when is this gonna end we were fighting over <laughs> refilling popcorn back when we could go to movies that weren't in our car back to adam's family there was a gag i wanted before I forget it i was mentioning deep and layered jokes there's the joel david crumholtz the little Mini Gomez or future Gomez. Actually, bizarrely, there's an interview where Barry said that Joel is basically his avatar. Like, okay. if he was Wednesday's age, he would have had a crush on her. And, okay. like, yeah. So he is basically. Well, he plays like, his dad in there, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> but he has. Okay. So he has the serial killer cards that they have. <laughs> and he's like, and he says, I have all of them except for Jack the Ripper and the Zodiac guy, which are. The only uncaught killers that are in his deck, like so, they haven't been caught in real life, and he can't collect, catch the cards. So I thought that was a funny little <laughs> nod there. Another joke I liked: Debbie told Fester that no woman in her right mind could ever love you. So the woman that potentially is going to be with Fester at the end, her name's Dementia. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice little twofer there. <laughs> yeah. So there's bril- like there's really deep brilliance in this movie. I did have I watched this on Blu-ray. And which took forever to come out. Like it was just like last year or something. It finally came out on Blu-ray. No bonus features, double feature disc with the first one. And the makeup in some of these scenes was like a little sketchy or poorly lit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I noticed that too, especially on Hubert. Hubert's face would be splotchy. Sometimes <laughs> it's like super splotchy. Wednesday looked really bad. And if you like in the attic scenes, I was like, ooh, that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah, that was a little interesting. I don't know if that would have shown on like a print or anything like that, but I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. But didn't win any awards for makeup either, I don't think. So that was one weird 
negative thing I guess I can bring up on a movie we just the costuming was incredible too (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure we haven't even talked about summer camp oh summer camp Peter McNichol (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and they actually what's neat about they they like go to summer camp they leave summer camp to go to the wedding and then to the wedding and they go back to to summer summer camp. camp which is funny which the wedding real quick i love when lurch plays the here comes the bride but fits the adams family riff into it Mm -hmm. as she's coming in that was a little neat touch but the summer camp has like mercedes mcnab who's in the first one from i know her from buffy and angel and there's some twisted this ends like really dark the summer camp story they, they stuck them in the cabin to watch Disney movies. It right. had to get dark, you know? Yeah. Uh, my husband and I were laughing because the first song that plays after they're like, you're going to be in this cabin quarantined and watching Disney mm-hmm. movies. Oh my gosh, that's my life right now, actually. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the first song that plays is The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. Which right. Is now a Disney movie. So they got one in there. They got one in there. Because everything else afterwards was like Annie and like... Directed by Angelica Houston's father. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. But yeah, no, they, they had it coming, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's a nice satirical look and spin on the kind Thanksgiving tale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's the Thanksgiving tale to share this Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. With, complete with flaming arrows and mm-hmm. all sorts of fun. Yeah. Of course, the movie ends with a nice little riff on Carrie, the hand coming out of the Debbie's grave to lead us to, I guess, a straight-to-video sequel for the, the film for the third one. But, yeah, no, I, I really like this movie quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. My kids love it. That's great. They, yeah. Big Adams Family nuts. They watch the old show. They watch this. They they enjoy it. I was happy you picked this one. It was a nice, nice yeah, little pick. Of course. And it just there's so many. It was just everyone is... At the top of their game in this movie, Carol Kane as like, yeah, she, the grandmother. And she's a replacement too. Yeah, she's new and and they don't waste her. Like I, I, it's funny you just all of a sudden notice Grandma's a bit more prominent in this one than and it's Carol Kane. You can't just sit and let her be in the background. <laughs> Which she's only like what she's not that much old. I mean, she's close in age with Angelica Houston. No, she was like in full makeup. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, that and like Joan, yeah, Joan Cusack's terrific in this and Joan Cusack, like you've like never seen her before almost like I don't can't think of many roles where she has where she's kind of like this, but still her she, quirks like, are there. But the blueprint for like the gone girl sort of. Character. Right. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You know, and I like yeah. all her costumes and then the guy on the TV and those are those are funny. There's so many weird cameos too. That Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, in yeah. The bar. Like, and then David, <laughs> yeah. Macho, Macho Man. Yeah, that's a. And David High Pierce at the beginning, masked. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nathan Lane, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. movie just up. Oh and it's gosh. only. It's like got swift just, 94 minutes. Just. Phew, back when you could crank out so much quality and not spend two and a half hours on it. And it's all there. Yes. <laughs> In the before, before times. Before, before times. Yes. <laughs> before the 20-minute uh, movie trailer chunk. I watched uh, House of Wax, the Vincent Price one, last night. And there was a, a spot, like, it's an 88-minute movie. And it, like, stopped intermission 10 minutes. I was like, what? the movie 88 minutes? What? Wow. Okay. Like, it wasn't like, like Where am hours. I going for 10 minutes? Like, wait, no, you can continue to play the movie. It's okay. Like, it. 
10 minutes like wow like we have three and a half hour b- movies with no intermittent like our bladders have evolved in that <laughs> time i guess that's my this is my takeaway what else this segment we just talk about other things we have taken in recently media wise like movies books music or kind of stuff we've worked on written published anything like that in the world so sabina what else oh my gosh i was really sad about i mean i still am really sad about halloween not being what it's usually all about this year i'm Mm -hmm. a big la haunt sort of person and write about the theme park stuff so I usually review like Halloween Horror Nights or the Queen Mary or Not Scary Farm and sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go over to the East Coast and I'll go do Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights oh, and okay. stuff which they've had like so many incredible mazes in the past few years they did a killer clowns from outer space maze last year that was incredible it was colorful they had full costumes that were very authentic to the film even people who might not have been aware of the ip i think became Mm -hmm. aware of the ip through that maze because every night my husband and i would go we had the horror pass that so we had basically an annual pass to the halloween horror nights here in hollywood the line for killer clowns was always really really long and i was like do the do they know the killer clowns (laughs) like (laughs) i really hope that like they went home and tracked down the movie to watch right yeah such a fun film so we were like hoping that they would either bring back the maze it was that popular but I know Orlando actually did open up daytime mazes and they had a Bride of Frankenstein maze as well as a Tooth Fairy maze because over there they do uh, original maze ideas, but then also they'll do IPs. But a lot of merchandise was actually released for Beetlejuice. Oh, in relation to Halloween Horror Nights. And basically, it was an unofficial confirmation that both coasts were going to have a Beetlejuice maze. Oh, okay. So Is that going to be uh, next year, maybe? Or uh, they- I mean, I really hope so. I actually had a friend who works in at Universal Orlando. He sent me like a care package of like the Beetlejuice shirts and the face masks mm-hmm. and stuff. So it got to the point where they made face masks for Halloween Horror Nights before oh, okay. they pulled the plug. But the masks for Beetlejuice actually didn't say Orlando on them. They just said Halloween Horror Nights 2020. So Mm. it kind of just leads us to believe that that almost happened. But basically at home, I've made my at home decorative situation Beetlejuice inspired. And I've been doing a lot of things to try to keep the Halloween spirit alive. One of which was I wrote a song with my friend Annalise Nelson. She and I work on something scary. So like while being in that like big push for halloween content for the channel we kind of just like you know you're interacting with like your co-workers and we're just like we gotta do something creative that's like different and i'm very much inspired by like the weird horror acts that people in movies have done so if you think about like danny elfman and oingo boingo Mm -hmm. before he you know went all in as a film composer ryan gosling actually had a horror project as well called dead man's bones and they, they kind of contributed scary but fun, dancey Halloween music throughout the years that we kind of like, you know, we have this catalog of of just songs that get retreaded. It's also part of the reason why the Adams Family song is so well yeah. known mm-hmm. because it'll always come back on Halloween during like big public gatherings and stuff. Right. So we, we wrote like, we were both into film and wanting to make movies, but we were like, let's just make a Halloween song. And we did. And that just went up. It's called Neon Plasma Poltergeist. <laughs> 
That's a great title. Yeah. <laughs> Other stuff that I've been doing, whole following contest, um, for Sci-Fi Wire okay. of movies on Disney Plus that are actually scary or have elements that are just surprisingly adult that are unexpected. And I include awesome selections like Mr. Boogity. Mr. Boogity. Mr. Boogity Boogity, which also I, Adam's connection. Oh, yes, yes. John asked. I did, I did um, that as an episode yeah, of my John old Aston. show on Halloween. Yeah, we we did that one. Yeah. John Aston's in that. And uh, I, my, I think my biggest recommendation is to watch Fuzz Bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick Garris did this really great Disney Channel original movie that is so off the wall bizarre and endearing and you can't like peel your eyes away from the screen but basically a kid has an imaginary friend who is like in like a a a creature from the woods that's invisible Mm -hmm. that no one believes him and he kind of like acts out and has like you know preteen angst and stuff but the most iconic scene in this movie is when Fuzz Bucket materializes, okay. it is it, it is basically something that I just will pass on like the ring chain curse because you have to see it. Mm-hmm. But just know that after you've seen it, you cannot ever unsee it and you oh. will want to pass it on to someone else. It, it, okay. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, those those movies like before Disney Plus, there was like nowhere to, to find a lot of those. And I really wish they'd put together like the wide world of Disney or whatever with the Michael Eisner intros and stuff, give the complete package when they, yeah. when they do those. Cause when I, it was funny when we did Mr. Boogity for my old show, Cult Cinema Cavalcade, I found a YouTube stream to watch it. And I had one that was taped the night it premiered and had the commercials in there too. And it was just awesome to watch. I know they can't get all the commercials back to put in there, but it was fun to watch it with that experience because it was like Tuesday night, the uh, season premiere of Perfect Strangers and the series premiere of Head of the Class and all this. I'm like, oh my gosh, those were together and all sorts of stuff, but they really should bring back like the Eisner intros and stuff. They should. Movies. They have it, you know. Yeah, they they should own the rights to that. They have ABC <laughs> They have Disney, and they have those movies, and there's like a treasure trove of like sci-fi, horror, mm-hmm. weird stuff that they could, yeah, they could really I, put out. I got some comments on on this article of people asking, "Oh, where is some where is something wicked this way comes?" Mm-hmm. And I think there's another film as well that was a poltergeisty sort of like vibe movie. I'm blanking on the name right now, but yeah, they were like, "Where's that movie?" And where's the Bradbury film? And I was like, mm-hmm. it, "They just haven't." released it on disney plus so i just because i kept it to stuff you could actually like watch right like, on yeah, the service yeah. so you know it's like you have these titles why aren't you just putting them up there right well when they started <laughs> when disney plus started mr i one of the first ones i searched for was mr boogity to be honest <laughs> and they had mr boogity but they didn't have bride of boogity yet and i now bride of boogity has, has it, been yeah. put at, on there but there's there's a weird movie with scott bacula that they did one time that i don't know if it's on there or not but there's just so much stuff that they could, I mean, they could make a separate channel in there and be like Wide World of Disney and just pick a year, find a movie and have those intros. It'd be really cool if they wanted to do that, but who knows? Yeah, they, they, they all start really weird because they don't have an introduction. It's just like, yeah, it's oh, just like fade in credit, first credit, credit like, title card. Wait, what? Yeah, it's like, so, oh, I'm here. It's, there was it's something starting. there before. There was something there before, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's cool. I have to check out that article. That definitely interests me. Yeah. So, so um, you know, just trying to keep the Halloween spirit alive in, in whatever way we can right now. And sure. um, 
We need it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing here. Let's see. Myself, what I have. Oh, tomorrow on com, my annual Blu-ray wish list for 2021 comes out. Do you collect Blu-rays or anything like that? Yes. Although I just moved recently and I had the most tragic thing that could happen oh, happen no. to cry? my husband. You might actually cry. Because I actually, it took me a while to cry over it because I didn't understand the gravity of the situation. Okay. Oh, okay. So my husband and I, we collect physical media. As a person who's done press a lot, I used to get like digital code sometimes, like when that started and I hated it Mm because I could never get them to load. Sometimes they wouldn't even work until closer to the release of the film. Right. Like, and I'd be like, no, just give me the physical disc so I can- The 20th Fox screening room. Yes. To like watch it. Yep. You know, at home, I think it was like Moana that I got like the digital code for it. And I just had the pinwheel of doom for forever because oh. it wouldn't play and it wouldn't load. And I was like, I want to watch Moana. This right. is not okay. I was Taka. I was like, ah, like, no, this is not cool. But yeah, no, my husband and I love collecting physical media. We became really obsessed with getting the steelbooks of things. We just like got like a recent really cool steelbook of Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like our thing. Like we we were collecting all the DC films in the in the target storybook sort of vibe and then we we're collecting right. our marvel films in the steelbook right from best buy that's been great and we actually finally moved into a house mm-hmm. that we we have this office with bare walls right which is a, a foreboding sort of clue as to what's going gonna happen and during our move we packed up all our physical media we had a giant case of just our library and we each had our own sort of like smaller softer cases of our favorite films Mm -hmm. because at our old place we didn't have room to put it up so we just like okay let's put these that are just streaming in a big bin and then the ones that we just want to pull that are our beloved movies like have just easy to grab we had like those really cool under the bed shoebox containers that are clear on top Gotcha. The Johnsons so we were, are come over, coming over. Get those ones and put them on the shelf. They'll yeah. Like <laughs> so we would like, you know, like we were like, oh, let's pick out like front for the wilder people or something like mm-hmm. this. Just like pull it out of like right from under the bed, easy to easy to grab and stuff. So we were excited to have like an office and do a media wall and everything. And in our move, we have so much junk. Somehow, me disappeared or was stolen. Oh no. We don't know what happened. It's the only thing that was taken. The only thing that was taken. So, so it feels targeted. That's where we're very confused because we, yeah, like we're kind of like, y'all have Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> like we have Playstations and Xboxes and like other stuff that I feel mm-hmm. like might've been more of a target. I don't understand right. why the physical media was the target, but it's the only thing that was taken during the move. Mm. When, when I say that the, it didn't hit me until later, it was, I was like, well, at least we have our favorite movies. Cause we had separated our favorite movies that right. we knew were streaming services or whatever into like different cases. And there was something recently where I was like, oh, I'm going to go grab this one movie and put it on. And Jonathan was like, that was in the bin. Um, and I was like, what about this movie? That was in the bin. And I was like, oh, we lost all our movies. <laughs> I might struggle so, to go on if it happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was very bad. See, like, I'm the type, if someone comes to do, like, work or something in my house and it has to be in my basement, like, I put, like, a drape thing over just so they can't be. Because a lot of people be like, ooh, it's good. Like, I don't even want you looking. I don't even want you fearing. What are you collecting for? Myself. That's, I don't know. Gosh, that's horrible. Have you, have you tried to like, hey, folks, if you'd like to donate, we're missing this, this, this. 
<laughs> I mean, we've had some friends offer to kind of like do rips of some movies yeah. we like, but like we're we're both like very much about having the display mm-hmm. and like you know yes. special edition. So like maybe you know um, we we do have like a a couple places that we hit up for movies. You know, besides like Target and Best Buy, we'll go to a place called CD Trader, mm-hmm. which has like a lot of like used media. We'll probably end up going there and finding our library of things. I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like because yeah. I like why would people steal physical media? I don't unless know. They, unless you had some gems in there that. Yeah, honestly, might be out we, of we print. had we had very m- many gems there. Like yeah. so, that was. Like, welcome to the neighborhood. We take your physical media. Um, That's terrible. Yeah. At some point, we're going to start our journey of, like, getting back our core collection of films that we love. And and, and some of these new releases that are coming out are are really cool to kind of, like, just continue that. They're gone, but not forgotten. (laughs) I'm heartbroken for you. Yeah, like, my eyes, like, I I used to do, um, when I lived last night, I did Blu-ray and DVD quality control, so my eyes and ears are all attuned, so streaming can bug me sometimes when I see all the deficiencies. Yeah, so, I guess, anyways, after the tragic story, I write these wish list pieces. I Ever since I started at whysoblue.com back in 2013, I just, I'm like, usually... A list of 10 films that haven't been on Blu-ray at all, ever, not even anywhere in the country. So if it's in Taiwan on Blu-ray, doesn't make the list. You can get a region-free player, play it. So my annual list for this year comes out, and I, I chalk up which ones have come out in the previous year that have been on previous lists and stuff. And my new one posts tomorrow after the show. Woo! Yeah, and includes some like really surprising ones, like Girl Interrupted has never been on Blu-ray anywhere before pat garrett billy the kid m night Shyamalan's the village like i overlooked that i guess i would thought that would have been on there but his film stopped at that one they had like they did uh, six cents unbreakable signs and then just kind of stopped and now and it's a disney film and they don't put out old physical media now for the time being so and like pink floyd's the wall that's another one that i put on there so if you want to see the rest, you can go to whysoblue.com and check out my list. It's an exciting moment for me, I guess. And I always love people share their own as well. And I can guide people that put ones that are out where they can find them. So that's always a fun time for me. So awesome. I do have a question. Where, yes. where can I find the creature from the Black Lagoon? Because it was on Peacock for like a cool minute and then they took it out. Oh, you want it and for, to for streaming? It. Well, either for streaming or to buy oh, yeah. is has there been a release yeah. of creature from black lagoon uh similar to like the really uh nice dracula yeah dracula, uh yes. brighter frankenstein frankenstein like that style so either either last year or the year before they did creature and it came with the two sequels and the two sequels were finally in their official aspect ratio of the 185 or 166 one so they because when they were on dvd those two were in a crop format but yeah you can find that one i think they're all they've been all like 14.99 recently most of those but yeah definitely that was that was on i it. almost bought the uh the amazon day universal monsters collection oh that that, that is- was released I got lucky. I got that one for review. I got the whole, like, I, 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 it was one of those random things where it's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm like, oh, I have to write every single, <laughs> it's a monumental task to write yeah. about those. Yeah, because they're, because they had all the whole shebang. <laughs> so, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Lagoon streaming is on DirecTV and on Watch Turner Classic Movies app. 
for for, yeah. for streaming, and then you can rent it, of course, everywhere and buy it digitally everywhere. That's where you can find them. But yeah, that's a good, that's a beautiful Blu-ray, and yeah, it has the option option for 3D. I don't have 3D, but it does have that option. That's it. Yeah, love creature. That'll do it for today. Sabina Graves, I'm endlessly grateful for your wonderful presence here. And please tell my listeners where they can keep up with your excellent work. Thank you. And thank you for having me. This was such a blast. People can find me on Twitter at Sabina has no R. Everything I do ends up there. The links to the videos that I write on with my team, my articles, and just my silly, just ramblings of of things <laughs> go on there and on instagram you can find me at that lady graves i would often take pictures of my dvds <laughs> when i bought them and you know like meticulous like collections and stuff of like really nerdy stuff and tiki mugs and fun spooky fashion that i, I like um there's a really cool cake worthy line right now that's the universal mm-hmm. monsters inspired that is amazing. And I have like some cool pictures of, of, of that while I was decorating my place for Halloween. But yeah, those are the places you can find me and uh, say hello. <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Brandon4KUHD. My written works at whysoblue.com. I'm going to mention today to, that tomorrow is election day. And if you are unable to vote early or by mail and have to brave the polls in person tomorrow, please be safe. Be mindful of others. Wear, yes. wear a mask and keep a safe distance in line and stay in line and don't leave till you vote. I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of 4K Blues Day. And as always, remember to keep the positivity in your online film chatter. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetersshow.com. show is available on apple podcast spotify or anywhere podcasts are found We saw him step in on the mat. We looked and we saw him, the cat in the hat. Are you enjoying this? To think, a child of mine. I know it is wet and the sun is not sunny.
But we can have lots of good fun. It is funny. Oh no.